tonight, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so good to see you guys, truly God is an awesome God, Sunday is Mother's Day, we want to recognize and respect and uh, thank God for all mothers, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, what I'd like to do tonight is kind to um, go over some things that we had previously discussed, kind of just to catch up and make the study very practical so that uh, we kind of understand what's going on. Now, let me synopsize this matter of spiritual gifts and the gift is an endowment from the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has at least one gift. Some have multiple gifts. Amen? And um, gifts are not talents. Talents are what you received at your first birth. Seeing that's not a spiritual gift. And, and the reason I'm bringing this out, because I've heard people on different choirs um, say that they were gifted to sing. Now you weren't gifted. You you received a talent. Um, you're serving in a capacity of service. I want to differentiate that because there are people in the world that are going to hell that can sing. Are y'all are y'all getting what I'm trying to say? So they have natural born talents, and that has to be differentiated from spiritual gifts. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of look at some of that, but some of the things that we were discussing is three words that I'm going to be dealing with tonight. The first is, um, in, in first Corinthians, uh, 12, 13 and 14 are all dealing with, with spiritual gifts. Now, here's why you and I have to be careful, because uh, there is a word called context. We have to keep things in this proper context, or we begin to lose meaning. Amen. So the first thing you look for when you're studying the Word of God is context. The context helps to define the subject that's being discussed. Are you getting this? So, um, um, if if when when Jesus was feeding the five thousand plus in John chapter six, the theme is because Jesus is the bread of life. Are you getting that? Because he is the bread of life, he's giving bread, and he's feeding. Um, thousands and thousands of people as he multiplies uh, food. So the, the whole purpose of feeding 13,000 people and then collect 12 hamper, 12 hampers of excess food was to prove that he is sufficient and he is the bread of life and we are only filled through him. So, so uh, that's that's all context. Um, if you get away from the context, you got pretext. Then you're all over the place. So 
one of the things that we're looking at uh, throughout the Word of God is always context. And um, there, and I'm going to go over something later about hermeneutics, interpreting the Word. When a text is obscured, you cannot dogmatically interpret the text. You need to interpret the text in the light of Scripture, not obscurity. Is it cold in here? I see some of y'all grabbing yourself. Is it cold? I, I don't mean grabbing yourself, but you do. If, well, how many of you are cold? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, can, you, can you hit one of those units, please? Amen. Praise you. Y'all need to gain some weight. Uh, so, so, the, so, so, so the thing is, you know, there's a price of being skinny. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, the, fact, the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, um, yeah, I don't want to see you suffer anymore. <laughs> so when a text is obscured, that means it's not clear. Are you getting this? When a text is obscured, you must search other scriptures that takes somewhat of this text and brings it into the light. Because if we don't interpret stuff in the light, we, we got obscurity all through the text. I, I can tell you that just systematically, the book of Leviticus is about five offerings, uh, you know, and um, burnt offering, peace offering, meal offering, trespass offering, and sin offering. Now, I know this because I've studied Leviticus out thoroughly, and I understand which each offering deals with, it, and, and it all points to Jesus Christ as being our sacrificial offering, that he covered all of that, but... If you pull something out of Leviticus in, in obscurity, you're not really defining it the way the Holy Spirit would have you define it. So we're, we're, we're going to keep our eye on that, uh, on these obscured texts, okay? And so one of the things that um, we're going to look at tonight are three words, and that is in chapter 12... In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, we're going to deal with the word unity, verses 1 through 13. And then in chapter 12, verses 14 to 31, we're going to deal with the word diversity. Okay, y'all getting this? And then in chapter 13, we're going to deal with the word maturity. Those are the three words we're going to deal with tonight and, and hopefully shed some light on these concepts. So um, when you look at chapter 12, the first 13 verses is in unity, is unified. What do you mean by unified? Well, um, Paul goes on to say that, amen, um, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same, what? Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. 
and there are diversities, verse 6, of operations, but the same God. What is the, what is the connecting word here? Same. It, there, there is a unity uh, with the Godhead in this context of gifts. And I, I love this because Paul is, again, dealing with the triunity of God. The triunity of God. Don't don't get caught by these Jehovah Witnesses don't believe in the triunity of God. Jews don't believe in the triunity of God. We must just throw them out there. Mormons don't believe in the triunity of God. When you start dealing with the triunity of God, it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you got people that want to take Acts in obscurity, Acts 2.38, and I know all the groups, that it will tell you you're not saved because you should have been baptized in the name of Jesus. When Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So why do they believe that? Because what they did in obscurity, they took one scripture, Acts 2.38, out of context. And you've got to ask yourself the interrogatives, why, where, when, and how. And the reason that Luke, in Acts 2.38, Luke wrote the book of Acts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The reason Luke was talking about you got to be named, you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus, that wasn't for the church. That was because in the first seven chapters, it's all Jewish. They were in Jerusalem, and here's what Luke was saying. And by the way, the book of Acts is about two men, Peter and Paul. They're saying, look, <laughs> you, you, you guys, you Jews, y'all believe in God the Father, Yahweh. You believe in God the Holy Spirit, pillar of fire by, uh, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. Your problem is Jesus. So therefore... Since you're struggling with this problem, you got to identify, that's what baptizo means, you got to be baptized in the name of who? Jesus, because that's what you're struggling with. That's context. So when, the, when these other groups, I won't name them, probably will, when they start this stuff, you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. They're taking one scripture, Acts 2.38, and making a whole doctrine on it. Can't do that. You got to compare scripture with scripture. No one scripture is of its own interpretation. So you got to look up all the scriptures on baptism to get truth. Are you getting this? Yeah. All right. So, um, unity. And if you look at this word same in verses 4, 5, and 6 deals with the triunity of God, when you get to verse 7 and 8, it's still a unified thought. In verse 9, it says same spirit. In verse 8, it says same spirit. Are y'all looking at this? So the unity is in verses 1 through 13. Uh, verse 12, for there's one body that has many members, one spirit, verse 13, are we all baptized into one body 
So the first 13 verses of chapter 12, the theme here is unity. Unity. The church, the, the unity of the church was established by the Holy Spirit. Unity. Unity. Um, and then he moves from unity to diversity in verses 14 and 31. So now he's giving these concepts of the body. How can the hand say to the foot, you know, and we went through all that last week, right? The hand, the foot, Jesus is the head of the church. He's not the head of Israel. This is an organic relationship. Organic, excuse me, organic denotes body. Jesus is the head, we are the body. He's also not only the, uh, not only is the body of Christ the church, the building of Christ is the church, the bride of Christ is the church. So when you look metaphorically and start using these terms, you don't use bride to talk about um, body. You don't use building to talk about bride. There are three different distinct functions. Okay, so right now, we're not married to Jesus, we're engaged. And when you start to understand these metaphors, being engaged means that the traditional marriage of the first century was that when, when I get engaged, betrothed, if, if me and Tong gets betrothed, it's just like being married, um, under Jewish law, and what it means, uh, you know, you can't have no, you can't have no intimacy. But legally, we are betrothed. So the next step is, I go away to prepare a place, and when I come back, I receive her unto myself. So we're not going to be married to Christ until we rapture into heaven and have the marriage of the lamb. Are y'all are getting this? All, all of this is kind of futuristic. It's, 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 it's a picture um, that, that is seen throughout um, scripture. All right. So we have diversity in verses 14 through 31. For the body is not one member, but what? Many. Many. If the foot shall say, I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. So what is the commonality? The body. The foot and the hand belongs to the body. The air and the eye, verse 16, belongs to the body. The hearing and, and the smelling, verse 17, belongs to the body. And, 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 and notice verse 18 but God have set God have set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has what? So this is not something you pray about. God is sovereign in where we are set. God is sovereign where we are set. That, that's why we got to be careful not to desire things that the Lord don't want you to have. God God has and and most of our desires are wrong anyhow. That uh, God, God has already sovereignly set us uh, in place. And, and so diversity, and I'm going to hear him get out of this, takes place um, in, um, from verses um, 
14 through the end of the chapter, but I want to go back up because we're going to concentrate on chapter 13, which I think is a must, and look at verse 25, that there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer. Whether one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. And you are the body of Christ and members in um, particular. And look at verse 28. And God hath set some in the church first. Now, this is interesting because Paul is about to make a transition and he's about to deal with something very important. God has set some in the church, first apostles. Now, let me stop. You, you got ministers today that are calling themselves apostles. In the true sense of the word, no such animal. Apostles, Ephesians 2.20, don't turn. Apostles were the pillars of the church. In fact, apostles had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus. I don't care how many pork chops you eat at night, you have not seen Jesus. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. Uh, they had to be eyewitnesses of Jesus. They had to be personally commissioned by Jesus. Uh, that's the second thing. And God gave them sign gifts. He gave them the miraculous to authenticate who they were. So they could perform miracles, raise the dead, and all that. Those were the sign gifts given to the apostles. So are there apostles living today? No way. But people call themselves apostles. And, you know, whatever. Um, one friend of mine called himself an apostle, and another friend of mine saw him and said, Oh, you saw him, huh? So, <laughs> so uh <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. So uh, there are no apostles in the true sense of the word. He says, first apostles, secondly, prophets. And we went over these gifts. You got to listen. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy was before the Bible was finished, God was given messages as you were going, revelation as you were going. So if I'm going down the wild, God can say, uh, here's what I want you to know. I'm going to give you a complete new revelation about something, and I want you to preach it. Now, God ain't doing that no more. Some will tell you he's still doing that. No, the gift of prophecy is an ongoing communication by the Spirit to the prophet, amen, and um, he's, he's revealing to him Revelation, new truth. New truth. Are y'all getting this? Y'all getting quiet. Thirdly, teachers. Teachers have the um, spirit-filled authority, and I mean, they have the ability to take doctrine and clarify it, um, package it up, and teach it so that others can benefit from it. Okay, and, and, and it has nothing to do with logic. It's the gift of teaching. And, and, uh, and then thirdly, and then he says, and that after that, miracles. Miracles in the Greek is changing nature. It means to do something that 
is beyond nature. All right. Um, then gifts of healings, that's to alter somebody's, to actually bring healing to somebody, to alter uh, a sickness or something like that. And, 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 and then there are diversities of tongues. We're going to get to this. So the thing I want you to see, in fact, I, I made this little short list. Uh, uh, wisdom is insight into doctrinal truth, or we, we call people in the counseling field those with the gift of wisdom. God has given them uh, insights um, that, that the average person may not have. And then knowledge is, to, is the application of doctrinal truth to one's life. Faith is an unusual measure of trust. Healing is the ability to restore health. And, and see, here's where we start getting shaky. Nobody said God couldn't heal you. Nobody, nobody ever contested that. I believe God is still healing. Well, I'm a product of God, of God's healing. That's not what we're trying. God has not gifted a man or a woman to go around healing people. If God wants to heal you, he's sovereign. And, and, if, and if you say, well, I, I don't know, I, I got the gift of healing. Well, let's go to the hospital together and turn out ICU. Let's close down ICU. If you got the gift of healing, let's close it down. You don't have that gift. That gift is not being, that gift is not operating. Um, and God is sovereign in that. Um, my God. Discernment is distinguishing between evil and good. And then tongues is the ability to translate, listen to this, unlearned languages. Glossa, glossalea, it is, it is not gibberish, it's, it's a language. And, and, and here's, when, when people want to argue tongues, I just tell them, look, go to Acts 2 and just read it. There were men and women from all over the world that came to Jerusalem for Pentecost. I mean, all over the world. They spoke different languages. And the miracle at Pentecost was that when the Holy Spirit broke out, they start speaking in tongues. The word tongue means languages. And the Bible tells you clearly in Acts chapter 2, and every man heard the gospel in his own language. Now, the miracle was you didn't have nobody get off the plane from Spain and Russia and China. All of the people speaking were Galileans who were unlearned fishermen. They never went to college, but yet they were speaking fluent languages. And all of them were speaking about Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news. So, you know, and you know, you got people believing in a meditative tongue and all that. And I, I don't fool with folk. I, I try to, you know, whatever, uh, with it, you know, because the tragedy is your denomination has taught you something and you're holding on to that. And uh, it may not be biblical, but you're holding on to that because that's what you were taught. And typically, whatever denomination, once we get saved and go into the church, we usually just grab that whole thing, that whole denomination. Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, um, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal, Apostolic. 
Now, if you're eating at too many tables, you're going to have some major problems in doctrine. No, I'm serious. And, 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 and that's why we have discipleship here. And I want to thank all of our discipleship teachers because when the minute you join this church, we're trying to lay a foundation of biblical truth. I know what the apostolics believe. My brother was one. And, and they're great people. They love the Lord. They, in fact, you know, Pentecostal, great people. They love the Lord. Church of God in Christ, great people. They love the Lord. The one, the, the one commonality we have is Jesus Christ. That, that's our commonality. All of them believe in Jesus. We, you know, that's, that's the one com- But But when it comes to doctrine, you got a whole lot of differences going on. And um, that's why you got to study the word. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that's not, that, that's not ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So, um, um, my God, man came to Jesus and said, look, uh, I got a story to tell you. This. Jesus said, what is it? He said, a man, uh, a man married a woman and he died and seven of his brothers married the same woman. Whose wife is she going to be in the kingdom? Jesus said, ain't no marriage in the kingdom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. When you get to heaven, when you get to heaven, Sister Gore's not my wife. She's my sister in Christ. No, it ain't no marriage in heaven, so why don't you treat your mate good now? Um, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, sister Arnold, I don't think they like that. Well, who going to cook my food? But anyway, move right along. Um, praise the name of Jesus. You know, Here's the miracle. We're going to be changed. We are going to be changed. And you're going to get a new body. And you'll have a new mind and a new heart and a new will. And Jesus Christ is going to be the center of all attention. You're not getting into heaven with selfies. You're not getting up there with your... With your, with your phones, you're going to get up there and we're just going to praise the Lamb of God. That's all we're going to do. No more crying, no more dying, no more debt, no, no more tears. Great, great place. We're going to be metamorphosized. We're going to be changed. So you see me in heaven and you say, is that Pastor going? I say, hello, my sister. <laughs> say, but what's wrong with him? <laughs> He's, he's changed. I won't be taking no cracks at you, right? Uh, all right, let's, let's get back to this text. It's good we can laugh, isn't it? Now, so he says, are all apostles, verse 20, now here we go, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Now, these particular gifts that he's pulling down for the sake of his argument are... Uh, gifts which are typically seen as important have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, glossolalia, languages, do all interpret tongues, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, 
Here's his transition. Because now, chapter 13 is still in the context of gifts. Now, let me talk about love. Oh, Lord, let me talk about love. You know, love makes the world go round. And love, baby, makes the seesaws go up and down. Uh, that's from the 60s. I don't know where, but. All right, here we go. So let's deal with love. How many of you were just caught up in the, in, in the whole love thing? I, I know I was, yeah. You wanted to fall in love. You wanted to be in love. Come on now. I mean, love really meant something to you. Huh? It's, you say what? It still means something to you? You ain't hugging out of love. All right, love, 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 love. Let's talk about love. Uh, well, love as a feeling is worldly. That's how the world emphasizes love. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. If I felt good enough, I was in love. It's a feeling. The problem is Christians need to understand that love is not a feeling because we have in the Greek phileo, we have aris, we have storge. All of these are different types of love. Storge is the love for a mother and her child. Storge. Should be a hyphen here, I think. Eros comes from the word erotic. Erotic. Erotic love. That's that sexual, sensual, heavy breathing. You know. That's uh, erotic love. Hmm. My goodness. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. I was, I was, I was, I was turning on one of my oldies one day, and that record from the, I think the sixties, when the when the woman was moaning, she, ooh, and I said, I got to turn this off. I can't. Play this. So, the the erotic love is sensual and sexual. That's why a lot of us watch television. You ain't watching for no agape love. And then phileo is friendship love. Phileo is friendship. So when Jesus came to Peter, post-resurrection, it says, uh, Peter, do you love me? Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Peter was saying, I phileo you. Mm. Jesus said, do you agape me? I phileo you. Do you phileo me? I phileo you. Peter couldn't reach that level. Interesting. If you try to build a marriage on any of these loves, 
you're going to run into problems. I'm telling you right now. And listen to what I'm about to say because this one is going to stranglehold you. Folk in the world that's unsaved, they can't even begin to comprehend agapeo love. That's God's love right down here, agape. Are y'all with me? The agape love is a love that only the Holy Spirit can give you. You don't come up with that. You don't come up with that. You don't, you don't, you know, this, this is a love because, and I'm going to tell you why, because all, these are loves of feelings. This is a love of function. It's a love of function. Um, we're going to look at these functions of love, meaning if I, if I have the agapeo love, I can accept you, I can forgive you, I don't have to throw stuff back in your face, I can love you in spite of you, I don't have to be angry with you, I don't have to get back at you. Um, the agape love is a function for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God was not loving us from a feeling or he would have killed all of us. He was loving us from a function. And, and um, I, I don't ever remember in the world trying to get close to somebody or love somebody based on a function. That, that, is, that is unheard of in the natural realm. And I know the people in the world seem like they in love and they just got it all together. No, they don't. They don't have it. It's just the love of God. I was um, looking at something. In the first three verses of chapter 13, he's dealing with the enrichment of love. Though I speak with the tongues of men, and, and that tongues of men is glossolalia, is languages, though I can speak fluent, Worldly languages. Let's, let's say I have that ability and of angels. Now, there's no such, there's no such, this, this is called in English hyperbole. Y'all know what hyperbole is? It, it, hyperbole is going way up over something that could even, in fact, be imaginary. Angels don't have a certain language. He's, Paul's trying to drive home a point. That if, if I could be, speak all of the languages of the world fluently and then talk like angels. He's driving home a point. And have not charity, which is agapeo love, I, I'm, uh, I'm a sounding brass and a what? Now, I got a sermon for verse 1. I'm making noise, but there's no nurturing. I'm just making a bunch of noise. Making a bunch of noise. That's all. God, God says, every gift that you have ought to be ministered in love. That's the whole purpose of chapter 13. Whatever you do, do it in love. Don't do it for selfish reasons. Don't do it to be seen. Don't do it to be heard. Don't do it to boost how you feel about yourself. Do it in love. 
Interesting. And we don't do everything in love. We really don't. We don't do everything in love. Um, because we have this old Adamic nature and we, we are, listen, we are being tossed to and fro. We, we are actually being stretched in all directions because of this, this old Adamic nature which is contrary to the spiritual new nature that we have. Are y'all getting this? And it, it, gets, it gets difficult. The old nature say, who she thinks she's talking to? See, and that's why John says in John 4, 1, 1 John 4, 1, test the spirit by the spirit. Now, there's two different spirits there. Test the spirit of attitude against the Holy Spirit. Where is this stuff coming from? And then James chapter 5 says, what well, James chapter 4 says, you know why we fight, argue, and because we are fighting because, and James goes on to explain, uh, of our worldly attitudes that keeps us at each other's throat. It's not of God. So as you grow, as you mature, we're in the context of maturity, as you mature, Sister Arnold, you're able to distinguish what's coming from God and what's coming from Satan. Now, sometimes it gets hard. You're able to distinguish the two. I shared something with you guys months ago, and, and I was thoroughly embarrassed after the fact. I, you know, I shared, I shared personal things with you so that you can catch on and, 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 and get truth and know that I'm just a sinner saved by grace, struggling like you are. Yeah. You know, I was talking about my youngest daughter, who's 21, and my wife. We were on 15th and Chestnut. Summertime was nice. I had shorts on. And I let them walk up in, this, uh, in these two hoods. Probably some chumps from North Philly. I was going to run them back across Gerard Avenue. And, they, and, you know, and they start making all these noises, and he grabbing himself. And, and before I could say Jesus, the old nature kicked in, says Arnold. And I walk, I walk, I said, excuse me, you got a problem? And he said, what? And I mean, they were hoods. And one of them said, well, you know, what's wrong with you, old man? I said, old man. <laughs> you know, we can ready, we can ready, we can ready, bang, man. Well, what happened? First commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy, well, where did that go? Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. We're all this talking. Well, what happened was, that's why I talk about pausing. We got to pause. We got to count the 10. We got to let the Holy Spirit, because on the spot, you and I can act just like the world. Don't let nobody tell you different. I know you don't think you can. Yes, you can. You can act just as crazy as them folk in the world. Peter cut off Malchazir in the garden. Jesus had to put the air back in place. I, I, I mean, it's like, and I look back on my spiritual life. Now, 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 now see what pastor's getting ready to say. I'm in the context of a maturity in 1 Corinthians 13. And we're not mature all the time. So we say and do things and think things that are contrary to the spirit. Are y'all getting this? 
Um, man. And, and, and we daily struggle with issues that's been there for years. We struggle, you know. Same ones that get in church and dance up and down the aisle and knock your head off and catch them on the wrong day. Um, so, this enrichment, <laughs> Jesus is right. This, this enrichment is that, look what he said in verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, I can receive messages from God and understand exactly what God is saying. I understand all mysteries, and I got all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, and I don't have charity, I'm nothing. God, look, look at a premium that God is putting on agape love. So you can have abilities and gifts, but if it's not done in love, it cancels out. See, see that's why the judgment seat of Christ is going to be so deep. 1 Corinthians 3, wood, hay, stubble, um, silver, gold, precious stones. Everything we do cannot pass the tests of the fire of God's judgment. So the Bible says clearly in 1 Corinthians 3, whatever, let's say I'm preaching or you're teaching or you're using your gift. Once that gift, once your usage comes under the fire of the Holy Spirit, fire of Jesus Christ, you lose it because it wasn't done it wasn't done right. The motive was wrong. It burns up. But you yourself will still be saved. Isn't that in 1 Corinthians 13? 1 Corinthians 11? It's interesting. You yourself. Um, my God. And I, you know, I can just, and I'm, I'm being practical. I'm being down to earth. I'm being transparent with you. I've been here 29 years, I, about 25, about 27 years ago. Um, a trustee called me up. You know, we was having wars and rumors of wars. Trustee called me up on a Sunday afternoon and said, uh, you know, he threatened me. Yeah, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I said, you little short, whatever I called him, I said, bring it. Bring it, bring it, bring it, brother, bring it. And I'm going to make a sacrificial lamb out of you. And when I finish chopping your head off, the rest of them are going to sit down. He got quiet. I said, bye. And I only heard. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't God. Sister Arnold, that wasn't God, was it? They hit us. We hit them. That wasn't God. I'm just saying... There is a struggle. All right, let's bring it home. You and your husband argue, fussing, and fighting over the years. Was God the referee? No, y'all asked God to leave. <laughs> one couple told me they was they was in the midst of a fight, and one of the, and one of the couple said, "You know, Pastor Gordon, I don't want to hear about no Pastor Gordon," and start cussing me out. I said, "Don't be bringing me up in your house." 
Don't bring me up in your house. So, 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 so we do struggle with this agape love. We do struggle with it. It, it is a struggle because of the Adamic nature. And, and so Paul goes on to say, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now, now all this is hyperbole, isn't it, Sister Arnold? Nobody's given all their goods to feed the poor. Nobody has faith to move mountains. Can I get a witness? Nobody understands all mysteries and knowledge, verse 2. Nobody has the gift of prophecy and understands all mysteries. Hey, all this is hyperbole, and he's saying, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body, look at this, to be burnt. And Christians were being burnt in the first century. Set on fire, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. So in my personal life, Phil, I had to beg God to disconnect my 17 years in South Philly. You got to disconnect that because this ain't, this ain't getting it. I, then my seven years in the military, God, you got to connect all, you got to disconnect all this if I'm going to function the way you want me to function. Are y'all getting this? Because, see, in the hood, when we grew up, ain't nobody hurting me. That was, that, that was a mentality. Ah, no, 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 no. Ain't nobody hurting me. And we were raised by our parents that way. They hit you, hit them back. They bigger than you, pick up something. Knock them upside the head. And then you get in church and somebody, uh, praise God. <laughs> somebody ring the bell. Who's that at the door? I don't know. I ain't home. <laughs> we were taught how to lie. Come on now, y'all, y'all. Isn't this stuff funny? Lord Jesus. Mm. Now, in verse 4 is where we really get heavy. He's moving from hyperbole to happenstance. Now he's going to define what love ought to do. Now this, this, now you think you struggled up to this point because now he's dealing with the edification. He's moving from the enrichment to the edification, verses 4 to 7. Now check it out. Love, charity, suffers long and is what? Now I looked up this word in the Greek. I can't even pronounce it. Makarothmia. Here's what it means, suffering long. Makarothmia, long word. It can endure evil. It can endure injury. It can endure being provoked without being filled with resentment. Well, I, I might as well just give the benediction now. Mm. Um, let me read the rest of the. Uh, it is independent of revenge. It's a mind that takes control over anger. It forsakes 
every emotion but uh, being, but perseverance. What he's saying is, when love is operating in our lives, we can suffer long, long suffering. We can suffer long. We can get beat up. We can be called out of our name. We can even be hit. We can be provoked. <clears throat> we, we can endure evil and have no feeling of resentment. And we can still be kind. And your pastor has left the building. I'm sorry. But that's what the Holy Spirit can do. And see, that explains why when Jesus went to the, when they, when they, when they arrested him in the garden, he went from judgment hall to judgment hall, amen, before Annas and Pilate and all of them, uh, that's why they can smack him and spit him in the face and he didn't mumble a word. He, he was like a dumb, dumb denoting, didn't speak. He was like a dumb lamb, just absorbing. And then had her to get on the cross, say, Father, forgive him. For not. If that was me on the cross, all y'all been in hell. I'd have been just like this, zip, zip, zip. Um, let's, for a few moments, let's talk about this. Suffering long and yet kind. Suffering long and yet kind. That means no temper tantrum, no anger, no revenge, no hit back, no uh, stop talking to your husband or wife for three weeks. What, what, is, what is the difficulty here? We can't do this in the flesh. The flesh won't let you do this. Are y'all getting this picture? But when we are filled with the agapeo love that only Jesus Christ gives through the Holy Spirit, man, we can take a look and keep on ticking. We can do it. We, I, I mean, we, I mean, we can, we can do it. Some guy came to St. Matthews from South Philly, and he said, uh, I got out of military in 74 after seven years. And he said, uh, hey, man, remember, uh, I think it was 75, 76? Now, no, it was 78. He said, remember, remember I was 78? I, was, I just got saved. I said, yeah, where you going with this, man? He said, remember, uh, them boys came around your house in South Philly and threatened your brother, and you pulled out a rifle and told him going to kill all of them? I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, God. Deep. Real deep. And, and so look at the Holy Spirit. He's got to take all of our temperaments, all of our history, because a lot of stuff comes from history. we still upset about how we grew up. I'm dead serious. And, and that's why when I do marriage counseling, and I don't do it no more, Leroy, we're we going all the way back. We're going all the way back. Because you may, you, may, you may be holding in anger, something that happened to you before you even met this person. 
but you're taking it out on the person. Because you can't distinguish where the stuff is coming from. Oh, I know I'm right on. That's why they quiet. You're still angry with your mother, your father, your ex-boyfriend. You, you still got ex-girlfriend. You still got issues. And anything that gets remotely close, stuff starts coming out. Um, it applies to all of us. We got historical baggage. Everybody has this historical baggage. Everybody. Nobody's saying that you got to be healed of all your historical baggage before you get married. You just got to be able to identify where this stuff is coming from. And you got to be honest and say, baby, listen, you know, uh, I know we just got married. If I, if I flip on you, <laughs> or, I, you know, it ain't all you. I got, I got it. I need counseling. I got issues. I got stuff from the past that's operating in me. You know, at least warn the poor man or the poor woman. Hey, people come to my study talking about it. I want a divorce. Why? She burnt my tooth. What kind of mess is that? What kind of, I'm, I'm dead serious. We got stuff harbored on the inside. Some of it we're going to die with. We got stuff on the inside that's deep. The way we think, the way we reason, the way we cannot forgive, the way we uh, condemn, the way we gossip, the way we tear people down. This is this stuff. So the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to get rid of all this stuff. Because Romans 5 says... <laughs> And tribulations will bring patience. And patience will bring experience, and experience will bring hope. So God is already earmarking things in us that he wants to work out. Are y'all getting this? And, and it doesn't mean you're going to suffer and be in trouble all the time. It just means God wants you to be able to identify those areas. Charity can suffer long, and yet is what? Look at that combination. I can go through and still be kind. How many of y'all can go through and still be kind? Oh, man, we got a lot of hands up. I put your hands up. That's good. Let's get them a hand clap. If they lying, kill them, God. Kill them. Let's give them a hand clap. All right. Let's, let's go to the next one. We almost finished. Charity, though if not itself, is not puffed up. Real love is not self-centered. Real love does not operate in pride. Pride? Pride. Pride. We can say some hurtful things out of pride and anger. We can say some hurtful things. It's coming from that furnace on the inside. Um, my God. <clears throat> All right. Now, some of y'all don't say it, but you think it, so it's just the same thing. Look at this. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. If I'm anchored in God's love, agape, it affects my behavior. Right, Sister Arnold? Uh-huh. Seek if not our own. I'm not first in everything. 
and here's the one I like, is not easily, what? If somebody plays with you and you keep getting upset all the time, that's disguised pride. That's disguised pride. You easily provoked. You weren't easily provoked in the world. You, you become easily provoked. <laughs> um, the operation, as we close, of the Holy Spirit through the agapeo love is going to make us Christ-like. We think of no evil. We cannot rejoice in iniquity, but we can only rejoice in the truth. We can bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. I'm going to stop there tonight. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, give me the strength to climb this mountain. It's obvious you're not moving the mountain. Give me the strength to climb the mountain. Give me the strength to persevere through this pain. Give me the strength to come out victorious. Give me the strength that you can change my heart, my will, my mind, my motives, my history. Give me the strength, Lord. Give me the strength. Give me, give me, give me what I need to make this journey in the name of Jesus. And God will come alongside of you and he will perfect that which is lacking in you and lacking in me. He'll give you what you need because God, 1 Corinthians 10, will not put on you more than you're able to bear. But with the temptation, with the trial, he'll make a way of escape. Isn't that right? And, and sometimes I thought God put more on me than I could bear. But he didn't. And our pain as I close is designed by purpose for our good and his glory. He's going to get glory out of everything you go through. And you're going to shout when God is metamorphosizing, changing you through what you're going through. Thank you, Jesus. And then God going to show you this is the only way in your life that I could do this. Iron sharpening iron. That's for married couples. You're made supposed to get on your nerve. They're sharpening you up, you're sharpening them up. Can you imagine being married to somebody just like you? Let's stay on our feet on that note. Praise his name. As every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Now y'all go straight home. Uh, if there's somebody needs to be saved, Jesus Christ wants to save you, die for your sins, bury and rose again. Is there one? Or you want to join the church? Sunday's Mother's Day. Both services will be um, designed for us to um, recognize and exalt our mothers. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go through this, uh, mythology, the meaning, and of all that you are saying to us, we know it is not us to make this happen. You are purposing and planning. You, you are operating on us for us to be like you. And God, just have your way in this process. Bless every family on the sound of my voice, every child, every, every mate, Father, every, every job, every situation, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's not finished. All right, we love you. Thank you.